Welcome to New Piney Grove Baptist Church, where one of our core values is Christian education. Let's tune in to this week's message. Challenge to change. Challenge to change. Change is scary. All of us have some resistance to change. A large part of the problem with change is that it's seldom comfortable. It says, it, says, it is said that growth resides just outside our comfort zone. That's because growth requires change. And the other thing about change is, is that far too many of us want things to change without changing. Anything that we're doing. I got an example. I, like many other women, would love to lose this middle-aged spread. I'm going to be honest with you, but I'm not going to call it fat. I'm going to call it chub. But one thing about this middle-aged spread is that I know I can change, but I kind of like my diet. See, Kalea, in the morning, I really like my blueberry bagels with that Philadelphia cream cheese. And I love extra ranch dressing on my salad. Because in the restaurant I said, ranch dressing, but bring me a cup of ranch. <laughs> and then there are these cheese grits with bacon. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you right now, giving them up would be so painful. <laughs> but spiritually speaking, Change can be an energizing force for power and progress. Or if not handled correctly, it can be a force for stagnation and regression. The Bible in the book, the, the Bible is a book about changes. Wouldn't you agree? In Hebrews chapter 12, it says that we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. And, and then I, I, I was studying, I said, I'm going to seek some of those people that have been drastically changed when they encountered Jesus. I'm going to call the 10th leper, and he'll tell you. So come on, number 10. What do you have to say? And I could hear him say, well, I don't know about the other nine that's on them. But I just had to come by and tell him thank you. I had to come back and give him the glory that only he deserves because he changed my life. My life was spent in a leper's colony. My only company was nine other lepers. But now life is sweet and my joy is complete because I'm saved by Jesus. And then I, I, I thought about the woman with the issue of blood and I, said, I told her, you know, come on here, sister, uh, give us your testimony. And then I heard her saying, I, I know that everybody has an issue, but mine was for 12 long years. 
and there was nobody to help me. The doctors, they just took my little money, but Jesus showed up and changed my life. And I want to thank him for how he, he brought me. And then she said, I want to thank him for how he taught me, and I want to thank him for how he kept me, and I want to thank him because he never left me, and I, I want to thank him and thank God because, see, he's been good to me. Then I thought about that woman at the well. Saw myself there too. You're trying to look for love in all the wrong places. But I asked her, I said, come on. And then I said, what do you got to say? And she said, when, when Jesus showed up, he offered me some water. But it wasn't the kind of water that you would think. It was living water. That kind of water that you'll never be thirsty again. It's living water. It's that gift that keeps on giving. And see, then I, I got so happy I had to go out and tell somebody. I said, you come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Come see a man who changed my life. Then after much prayer and supplication, I thought and started to think about it. The Bible is a book of changes. But I started to look at my own life. And I know some of y'all can agree with me because, see, I can testify like in 2009 when I was diagnosed with breast cancer. See, Jesus changed my life. See, I'm going to tell you the truth. I learned to suffer well for the kingdom of God. See, after all the surgeries, after the chemo, and after losing my hair, that was my crown of glory. Jesus broke me down. He had to break me down because I was fearful of going out because I wasn't the same. But I had a nephew in Albany who looked at me and said, Nita, I love you. I don't care about your hair. And that changed my whole perspective because in my spirit, I felt Jesus speaking to me. I felt him speaking to me. He's like, the scars, they don't even matter because he suffered. He suffered for everything that you're going through. And then I got happy again because then I had to realize that everything that happened to me had to come across his desk first. So then I started thinking, he said, listen now, go try my servant. And then I started to think, well, that man found me faithful. And I got happy all over again. Because I realized how Jesus is my savior. Then I started thinking Jesus is my redeemer. And I started to think about that Jesus, he's a healer. And then I started to think about Jesus is faithful even when I'm unfaithful. I thank God. And I give him the glory and I give him the honor. Because he's worthy of all the praise. And then the good part about what you go through, the changes that God makes in your life, is the testimony. I think of the countless people that God has allowed me to testify to. See, we often think God has assigned us to change the world around us. 
But what he's interested in is he's changing us. And we got scripture that says, according to 2 Timothy 2.21, it says, to make each of us a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. And there has been so much confirmation of where God would have us this morning, ladies. And I'm going to speak to y'all. Men, I want you to be praying for us. But ladies, God is speaking to us. He wants to use us to revitalize this church. He is calling for women who are willing to stand in front of the battle, to use your wisdom, you've heard it before, and your skills and your talents to defeat the enemy. Calling for women who believe that God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above anything you could ever ask or imagine. He's calling for women to, to challenge this church to go forward and depend on him for the victory. We serve a God who is going to do new things in our lives here in this church. The former things, they were great, but the best is yet to come. Because it is written, I have not seen nor ear have heard, neither have it entered in the heart of a woman, the things that which God has prepared for those that love him. Amen. Women of God, there's a purpose in you. You don't have to leave this house the same way you came in today. This Holy Spirit of the living God wants to propel you to a higher calling, to a greater anointing, to greater gifts. He is empowering you to defeat the enemy, but he wants to know how bad do you want it. I just need a lady just to shout out unto the Lord. I'm ready for a change. Just shout it out to him. Tell him I'm ready for a change. I'm ready for a change. I'm ready for a change. Now, although our story had happened some 2,000 years ago, this story still captivates our imagination. In John chapter 8, we are introduced to a woman caught in the very act of adultery but experienced the depths of God's love in such a way that she was forever changed. See, her life hung in the balance, condemnation, and the death penalty hanging over her head. But her accusers in their rush to destroy her couldn't see that they brought her in the safest place they could have, in the presence of God, in the presence of Jesus. But to understand this story, we need to start in chapter 7 of John, where we find the people from all over the nation of Israel gathered in the capital city of Jerusalem to celebrate the festival of booths, or some of your Bibles might say the festival of tabernacles. See, it was a national holiday, so people poured into Jerusalem from all over the nation. It wasn't just families who came. The Mosaic law required all men who lived within 20 miles of Jerusalem to come to the city for the feast. Another requirement for the people was to build or live in booths, these temporary tent-like structures to, to remind them of what their relatives lived in when they wandered in the desert. During the festival, Jerusalem looked like a happy little shantytown where the people was living in these booths made of willow and palm branches. And many people who came to Jerusalem for the festival there were there honestly to thank God 
for being so gracious and so kind to them. But as it often uh, happens with these religious holidays that are celebrated year after year, the festival of booths for many Jews, it deteriorated into a week-long drinking party with little or no spiritual significance. And this is where our story it gets interesting. I want you to allow your imagination to travel back with me so that you are standing there with her and Jesus. Put yourselves in her shoes uh, and, and, and watch how, how this story unfolds. Jesus has come into the temple early in the morning. And you can see in verse 2, there was a great cloud gathered, crowd gathered around him. And I can picture Jesus sitting there on the step of, you know, on stones or on steps of stones with the people sitting around him at his feet. They're trying to, you know, really get a better view. And as he is teaching, the scribes and the Pharisees come up and they bring this woman to him. See, the scribes, they were a group of society of, uh, a society of men who spent their days making copies of the Old Testament and recopying, learning and memorizing it, and eventually becoming teachers of it. They knew the Old Testament front and back like the, like the Pharisees who, who had come with them. And of course, we all met the Pharisees before because that was these group of religious leaders who, who, who wanted to destroy Jesus. But now, as we turn our attention back to this woman, we don't know much about her, but we know she was caught in the very act of adultery. And I imagine them, and you imagine with me, them dragging her from his booth. No doubt she was shocked and confused as she reached for her clothing, trying to cover herself. Next, she reaches for the arm of a lover, but he slipped away. The promises he made her while he was with her, they were nothing but a lie. And you can learn from that. Amen. And I think about how they might have emotionally, I mean just emotionally tormented, tormented this woman for hours leading up to this moment. Can you, can you imagine the shame and embarrassment she must have felt as these men paraded her around speaking openly about her adultery and, and dragging her into the temple in front of this crowd of people who are sitting in front of Jesus. Put yourself in her shoes. Suppose you've had this long struggle with some sin, which no one knows about. Something buried so deep in you that only Jesus could dig it up. And if you need help imagining this, Imagining what she was going through. Just imagine how you would feel if they brought it in front of the church this morning. And everyone was told about that sin. New Piney Grove, I know we are a people who tell our past, but we hadn't told everything. Amen. So you got to imagine the shame that she felt and the guilt so as she stands there listening and waiting, all these eyes in the crowd, they are just watching her. And the scribes and the Pharisees ask Jesus, what ought to be done with her? 
And verse 6 tells us that they were trying to trap him. They were trying to trap Jesus. You see, the penalty under the law for the crime was to be stoned to death. But adultery is so common in our day. We might have a hard time understanding this, but adultery isn't just some chosen way of life. It isn't an affair, though that's what we call it. In the Bible, it is sin, and it is a crime against man and God. It was a capital offense. So God said to stone to to death anyone guilty of it. But they continue to ask Jesus, should we stone her? Now these scribes and Pharisees had, had been up all night wondering what Jesus would do. See, if Jesus says yes, then he loses the support of the people, and it gives, him, gives them a legal accusation, accusation to make against him in, the, in their courts. If Jesus says no, then he openly denies the authority of God's law, which again is a cause for accusation against him. Jesus is God, so he, he cannot deny his own law. So what will he do? Can you just sense the smug looks on their face like they they know I got Jesus. I know I got him trapped. But then he does something odd. He gets down on the dirt and ignores the men writing or drawing something in the dirt. We don't know what. But they keep pressing him. They keep pressing him for an answer. Yes or no, Jesus? Yes or no? Do we stone her according to the law of Moses or not? And Jesus finally, he finally gets up and says to them, He that is without sin among you, let him cast a stone at her. Then he got up and then he got back down and he he rolled in the dirt again. And when he finally did get up again, those who heard what he had said, one at a time, they dropped their stones from the first to the last. And they left Jesus standing there with this woman. So we assume the crowd left. They left. They left Jesus and the woman. But here we go. He said to her, as he straightened himself up, he said, where are your accusers? Didn't any of them condemn you? And she looked at Jesus, and you can imagine the tears that were rolling down her eyes, that are running down her eyes, And she says, no man, no man, Lord. And he said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now, we got questions. uh, There are questions that are raised during this passage. It's about, you know, where the man is, where the the men, the the Pharisees and the scribes, were they waiting for in the room? What was Jesus writing in the dirt? They're all good questions. They're all things that are relevant. But for this morning's message, they're irrelevant. What matters most is that we recognize ourselves. Because now here's a woman whose life is on the line. Jesus does two things at once. He forgives her, but he also challenges her to change. In other words, Jesus challenged her to be different tomorrow than she was yesterday. But note now, Jesus, he he does not make any excuse for her sin by referring to her difficult childhood 
or for having an abusive husband. Jesus not deter, uh, defer to her victimization that's so dominant in our culture where no one takes responsibility for their sins. He doesn't even ask the man, you know, ask who that man was you was with, who, you know, committing adultery. He doesn't ask that to make that make it fair. He doesn't call what the woman did a personal choice that is just different from what he would prefer. <laughs> the Lord Jesus identifies her actions as sinful. And Jesus gave her an opportunity to make a new start. See, when the love of God meets us where we are, the love of God meets us in our mess. It meets us in our disasters. It meets us in our crisis, in our chaos, in our troubles, in our conditions, in our sad circumstances. But when we come into the presence of Jesus, we should be changed. See, Jesus doesn't wait until we get cleaned in comes to meet us. He meets us at the point where we are. See, I'm believing that he meets the drug addict even while the crack pipe is in his mouth. He meets the alcoholic, the alcoholic even during happy hour. You see, God gave, God gave us Jesus to come down to us, and he had to rescue us. He didn't bring us up to him. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, down to us. That's why we got to thank him. The word says in 2 Corinthians, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now, all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. This woman couldn't meet Jesus and be the same afterwards. This woman is called to change. Change from the life that she had. Changed to leave her past in the past. But first, she had to go undergo a change of ownership. You've seen that sign in front of the storefront. It means that the business has been bought out by a new owner. That old owner is no longer in charge. And the new owner, has, uh, owner may have a, a different way of doing business. I'm convinced that that woman got up changed because she realized that she was under, she was under love when it under new management, when that Nikki Howard. See, she was under love under new management. I don't want to take y'all too far back now. But we got to realize, ladies, that our bodies belongs to God. It is his property, not ours. You don't own it. God does. He created our bodies, and he expects us to use it as it was intended to be. Now, naturally, you know we rebel against that idea. You know we do. Because you know what? Like that woman at the well, like that woman caught in adultery. I don't know if y'all remember the peacock. <laughs> but the atmosphere be set. <laughs> and if you ain't anchored in Jesus... You can find yourself in a place you need not be. That's why I thank God for Jesus, because a lot of them nights I was in Peacock. 
A lot of them nights I was on Riverside Drive. I had alcohol in one hand and I was full of it on the inside. I was so drunk, I stopped, I don't know, maybe three miles from the nearest red light. And I too have looked for love in all the wrong places. It's something about having your own. You know, when you think you belong to yourself. I thought I was a mini Oprah. I got my own car. I got my own money. I got my own bank account. All I needed was the attention. That's all I needed. And I had enough nerve to tell him, look, the same way you came in is the same way I want you to go out. Now I got a requirement of you, don't leave a washcloth on the floor of my bathroom. I did, I had that requirement. But wouldn't it have been better if I had a lot of more requirements before he came in the door at the apartment? Wouldn't I have been better? I'm telling y'all, that's one thing that sets me free. I ain't telling everything yet. And I hadn't been, that anointing hadn't fallen. <laughs> but I'm here to tell you, though, that's freedom. That's freedom because if any one of those people who saw me in Peacock, any one of those men I took home who might have belonged to somebody else, I'm going to be honest with y'all. He had papers at home that said he was legally married to Cynthia. But I had papers on my nightstand that tonight he belongs to me. But when I changed ownership, you know what I mean? When I changed ownership, see, I, I, something got up in me. See, the things I used to do, I don't do no more. See, if you're going to sign up with me, he got to have a paper on the nightstand. And it's got to be signed by Wilcoxon. See, I done been through counseling. See, I done been through counseling now. That man ain't coming in there in no, any kind of way. And if I see him, he got to be saved. That's number one. Because when he said, turn off the lights. I'm telling y'all, I'm just trying to free you. I'm just trying to free somebody in here. When he said, turn off the lights, there's papers on the nightstand. Me and Kalea, what we used to say, Kalea? Got to have them papers. Because we under new management. The things I used to do, I don't even think the same way. I'm telling y'all, when the CD case was filled with R. Kelly, I don't see nothing wrong. Not... I hadn't matured in Christ yet. I didn't see nothing wrong. But see, Jesus had to tap me. There's something wrong, Nita. There's something wrong, Nita. There's something wrong, Nita. See, I had to come out in there. There's something about soap and water can't clean what's on the inside of you. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to go under new management. You can't do it by yourself. It's too much. I had to get rid of them CDs. I had to get rid of them. The house ain't, ain't a home without a, somebody sitting in a chair. I had to get rid of it. It was too much for me. Stuff was coming up in me. That old stuff. 
I started to fear myself. I had to get rid of it. I took a, I took a, a, a healthy trash bag. I, I didn't take no little. I took a healthy trash bag. Scented candles go. CDs, you got to go. I'm under new management. I don't belong to myself. And see, you have to mature in Christ. Now, I'm telling you these things, some of these things happened to me while I was saved. And we had a little question in Bible study. How do you get there? How do y'all old saints get there? All of us didn't raise our hand. The teller that, you know, it takes the word of God. It's a believing in who he is and who he can do, what he can do inside of you. Everybody didn't raise their hand because everybody ain't there yet. You got to be honest with yourself. Some of us still doing things we know we ain't got no business doing. You try and park deep down by motels and hotels. But God sees you. You want him to sneak out at 3 o'clock, but God sees you. Man, I'm telling you. New ownership. I'm on, a, I'm on a plane flying to get to something. My master card blowing up because you got to pay it every month at the end. But you know what? The sad part about it, because I said I don't even care. I missed a flight. That's $100 extra. I didn't care. Went right back to what I'm doing. See, we got a tendency, though. You're under new ownership now. You got a tendency to take the Holy Spirit off and you say, I'm going to hang him up over him. Now, I'm going to come back and get you when I finish what I'm doing over here. You know we done did it. You know you done did it. You know you have done it. You know we've been unfaithful. We forgot who owned us. I know how it is. I'm not married. But I don't go that way no more. I don't look that way no more. Homosexuality is nothing on me. No. I love men. God built me to love men. But he wants me to love them in the confines of Christ. Because the enemy can trick you. We're going to get married anyway. We're going we're gonna to get married anyway, honey. It don't matter. See, you, you, you can all, I'm going to come to the altar. We're going to die to this. We're going to go to church. We're going to go to the altar. Jesus is going to forgive us. You find yourself, we're going to go back to that altar. Jesus is going to forgive us. After a while, you ain't going to be able to make it back to this altar. you got to forget those things. And you, you can't do it alone. It's going to take the Holy Spirit of the living God. That's what it took for me. I'm just telling you what I know it took for me. Because when I changed and when, I, when Jesus changed me, that didn't feel me no more. I can see a buff guy. I can look over there. I'm on the, Bobby on the wall, I ain't looking at me. <laughs> Had to get you there. But you know what I mean? I can look, but I can't touch. Y'all seen that sign in the one? Look, but don't touch. And then I like, I like it when you go in some of those places, if you break it, it's yours. So, no, we have to stay away from that. So, where was I? <laughs> Listen, God expects us to take care of what he's given us. He expects that from us. 1 Corinthians 6 says, Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, 
which ye have of God. It's not of yourself. It came from God. Ye are not your own. You don't belong to yourself. When you give your life to Christ, you don't belong to you anymore. Because you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Which are God's. Which are God's. So, to go back, then Jesus had to change her relationship. See, he had to change her ownership, then he had to change her relationship. See, this, this woman, like I said, like many of us, she's letting her emotions guide her. She, wants, she needs that affirmation. You know, we, we like to know we look good. You know, you're like someone of the opposite sex saying, you look good, he notices you. But you got to put it in the confines of where it is. You know, I, I, I thank you. Yeah, I feel great. I just say I feel great. Because <laughs> you can, you, listen, it's easy to get the big head. It's it easy to get caught up in yourself. You know the suit fits you, but you don't need about five or six people to keep telling you, keep telling you, keep telling you. <laughs> but this woman, see, she ain't got caught up. She, she ain't got caught up in the wrong relationship. But when she met Christ, the relationship, it changed. And it changed for the better. It says, that, Romans 5 tells us, therefore being justified, justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are under a contract with him. But the only thing about a man-made contract, it can be broken. But a contract with Jesus is solid and it's sealed. And it's sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. You can't break that contract. You have received the spirit of adoption. See, we can call him Albert. We can call him my father. Isn't that a powerful thing? You can just look up, hey, daddy. Because you know that's really who he is to you. We are heirs of God under this contract by birthright. And it's, it can't be broken. That's the beauty of it. But then she had to go ahead and go, go in a new path. And I'm going to try and get through here. She had to go in a change of direction. And this is the greatest and most important change that she had to come. See, this woman was lifeless apart from Christ, dead in her trespasses and sins. Her past was behind her. Jesus came to her and unlocked the shackles that bind her to sin, and he set her free. Ephesians 2 tells us, wherein in the past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and power of the spirit that now works into the children of disobedience. See, Jesus, he wants to specialize in, he, he specializes in this. He specializes in taking wasted, ruined lives and saving them by grace and restoring them to his usefulness. Every person who comes to him and confess with their mouth and believe in their heart, they are saved. But I'm going to hurry up. God has challenged us to change this morning. Ladies, we got to decide if our faith is going to be part of our lives or our faith will become our lives. With, when faith is a part of our lives, we control it. When faith is our life, it controls us. For example, when faith is a part of our lives, we don't just do enough. We don't just do enough to feel, you know, so we won't feel guilty to keep our membership active. 
to keep ourselves, you know, that just enough kind of faith to keep the pastor saying, I see what you're doing. But he don't really see your motives. That kind of faith that is the life of Christ, it propels you to another level. You can't get enough of God. See, God wants to do something in this room this morning. He wants us to activate our faith. We know that faith is the something of things hoped for, the evidence of things that, is, things that are not seen. But he wants to activate your faith this morning. He just wants you to realize, ladies, that it's time for a change. We've seen the growth in women's enrichment. We've seen how God is moving on our women's services. But there's better. There's a greater anointing that God wants to, to, to pour forth in this room. But he wants you to realize that it's time for a change. Because in the book of Malachi, God speaks to his people through the voice of the prophet. The, Jew, the Jewish people had been slacking in their service to God, holding back on their sacrifices, offering him sick and injured animals instead of giving their best and trusting him to provide. God challenges them. He challenges them to change this practice and lays out the reward for them of those who will come to him by faith, who will make those necessary changes, allow him to make those necessary changes in your life. Because he says, test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you, for you, the windows of heaven and pour out for you blessings until it overflows. It's just overflowing. You, you can't even keep it all. So I ask you, what change needs to take place in your life? That's the challenge this morning. Are you willing to make God your priority and not just part of your life? Pastor Dave said something about leadership. He challenged us. He said, don't let opposition stop your ministry. Because, see, Satan is still dragging your past failures and your sins before a holy God. But listen, he will not have the final word. Jesus has acted on your behalf. Because Jesus, he stooped down. He stooped low enough to sleep in a manger, work in a carpentry shop, sleep in a fishing boat. Low enough to rub shoulders with crooks and lepers. Low enough to be spat upon, slapped, nailed, and, and speared. Low enough to be buried. But then he stood up. He stood up from the slab of death. He stood up for the woman. And, and, and he's he standing up for us as women. And when our accuser just keeps coming, keeps dragging us before the Lord God Almighty, he stands up for us. He, in the presence of God at this very moment, is sticking up for you. Even though the enemy is trying to whisper in your ear, don't come to this altar. Don't come to this altar. Don't come to this altar. Jesus Christ is rising to your defense right now. He's rising to your defense now. He stood up. He stood up so you don't have to stoop low. You don't have to be shackled by your past. You don't have to be shackled by your past. You can leave this house changed. But how bad do you want it? Your life is hidden in God. 
And when he looks at you, the first thing he sees is Jesus. But it's boiling down to that choice before you come to this altar. If you ain't believing in faith, I'm just going to be honest with you. Thank you, Lord God, for the anointing. If you are not going to believe by faith, don't come. If you're not going to believe by faith, don't come. Because I have seen my God do a lot with a little. Because it's going to boil down to this right now, ladies, for each and every one of us, and that's me included. Are you going to believe your advocate or are you going to believe your accuser? And I want you to do this right here for me. Some women didn't have another woman to co-labor with her. She didn't have a woman to whisper in her ear, you about something. You got potential. But I don't, wherever you are, you receive a lady's hand in faith and come to this altar. Receive a lady's hand by faith and walk together to this altar. For those of you that are willing to come, take a lady by the hand. And God says, try me. Just come down here and try me in faith. And see when I open the windows of heaven and pour you out blessings that you won't have able that you won't be able to see receive. Wait a minute, uh, wait a minute, the, 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 uh, Ron. Wait, wait one minute. Your time is now for a change. Now God ain't gonna beg you, and neither am I. But if you will take a woman by the hand and come down to this altar in faith, your life will never be the same. Thanks for listening. We pray that you have been blessed by the message. Visit us on the web at npgbc.org for contact information, service times, or directions to our place of worship.